So where do things stand with COVID in Alabama and across the country? Why in the world is our state health officer advocating vaccines for children? And what's happening at the VA hospital? Today, our guest is Dr. David Williams, and you do not want to miss our podcast. Welcome into this week's edition of Alabama Unfiltered. I am one of your hosts, Scott Beeson. Allison Sinclair is with me, so is Amy Beth Shaver. This week on the program, we have Dr. David Williams, who is, I'm very excited about him being here. We're going to talk some COVID stuff, but before that, Make sure that you remember that you can look for this podcast at all the places you find it, Apple, Spotify, all those places. Check 1819news.com. And while you're at 1819news, sign up for their daily detail. It's, a, it's, a, it's an update of the Alabama news every morning, just like in the old days when we paid the old newspapers and they came to our house. It's almost exactly the same thing, but digitally. So let's get going. Thank you for watching. Ladies? That was so good. That well, was perfect. I, were you, I don't know. I that to, was so Why are good. you surprised? I don't know because we struggle. Because I stunk David, at it the rest of the time. Yeah, no, David had a good day because you just got it all in. That was awesome. <laughs> You're on point. Mm-hmm. I practiced. It's really good. No, I didn't, but... Uh, of course you didn't. I'm taking my time. I talked a little slower. So what do we got on stage for today? Okay, so we are very blessed. Um, Dr. David Williams is with Concerned Doctors of Alabama, and he was really one of the first gentlemen involved with COVID and what was going on in Alabama. And he joins us today. He's been on the front line since the beginning. And uh, he's been kind enough to call us from uh, family vacay, I hope. I hope that's where you are. Um, But would you mind giving us a little bit of your story and then lead up to how you got involved with COVID um, and that initial, you know, really the initial event? Well, sure, sure. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've been in wellness medicine for, for quite a while, which, which means that primarily I try to keep people well in the first place. And, and I, I don't know if it's just uh, an inherent sense of prevention or whatever, but um, when they started talking about COVID and I started looking at the actual facts of COVID and I saw what was going to be happening politically and, and medically, um, I could see that the, the results of the, the, the interventions would be significantly more painful than the disease. And, and on top of that, they would do virtually nothing to, to relieve the disease. So for instance, if you, if you shut down businesses for a couple of weeks, you may delay a disease for a week or two, but you're not gonna prevent the virus from eventually spreading among the, the population. So instead of doing things like you know, UV lighting and, and you know, that sort of thing that might've pre- prevented some, some spread of the disease, they, they insisted on, on aspects that would lead to Things like our kids not being in school and subsequently some of them never coming back to school. Uh, that leads to all kinds of trouble with, with children when you disrupt their lives. And we've seen the psychiatric effects. Uh, we've seen the academic effects. We've seen the development affected so much in our, in our small children with, with masks that they've actually changed standards for, for small children in terms of how quickly they develop. And when you lose that, you never get it back. So early on, I could see that it just didn't match what I was seeing in the rest of the world. You could see you know, who was vulnerable, um, especially with the alpha. Uh, we've seen this disease evolve a little bit, and there's there's reasons for that. But you can see what was was coming, and you can see that it really didn't need to to affect our our children or our small businesses. And so I tried at my very best to to kind of get that message out. Uh, of course, that was a difficult message to 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 sell, apparently, because um, it fell on largely deaf ears, especially with the politicians. But those of us who then saw what what happened and said, okay, now that COVID's here, we we need to treat it. And I, I looked around and said, okay. 
what what's the standard in my community? And the standard was basically the government standard, which was send people home and have them hope for the best and then eventually go to the hospital. And I found that to be unacceptable. So I got back in the, the clinical side of things because no one was treating other COVID patients and learned about hydroxychloroquine and subsequently ivermectin. So where do you practice? You're in Huntsville? I'm in, I'm in T- Tuscaloosa, actually. Tuscaloosa, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. And do you remember your first COVID case? Um, I remember that my first COVID cases were actually fairly young people, um, and those were largely reassurance uh, in the in the initial. Uh, again, the, the, we've seen multiple um, variations of COVID, but the alpha was essentially if you were 50 and below and you didn't have a, a vitamin D problem and you didn't have an obesity problem, um, more than anything else, you needed to be told that you weren't going to die um, because that was the case for, for that, that initial the alpha. Um, but they didn't believe that. They'd been told, you know, everybody would be suffering from this. Now, the elderly is when I would start treating them with, with uh, hydroxychloroquine and, and different antibiotics that have some antiviral properties. And, and I do remember, you know, those first few cases, it was a little bit, uh, I don't know exactly what the word was, you're a little tentative. Uh, because unlike the rest of the, the diseases we've treated and been taught about, you know, everyone was on the same page. In this case, there was virtually nobody on that page. Uh, but their page was no treatment at all, which I found, again, unacceptable. Um, so, yes, I remember that. And I remember starting to see success, especially with some of our older patients. Um, and what I found most remarkable was that I could treat, say, a gentleman who was diagnosed with COVID. And I was started treating his wife immediately. Uh, and if she subsequently was diagnosed with COVID, she always did extremely well. So I learned that the earlier, the better, especially with the, the you know, the interventions we were trying at the time, like hydroxychloroquine. Um, and then over time, you just had to kind of learn, you know, what, what could we add? And, and we've found a community um, that eventually became concerned doctors where those of us would share our stories and our experiences. Did you face any sort of threats from the medical community because of the way that you were treating your patients? I I have not actually found that I was threatened. At least I've never been, you know, audibly or or demonstrably threatened. Um, I'm I'm sure that some people in the community – um, you know, rejected what I did just because, you know, it, it didn't fit the, the mainstream narrative or, you know, the medical organizations, uh, so to speak. But um, I know that there are a number of doctors in, in earshot of where I practice that, you know, they won't necessarily do what I'll do, but they will let their patients know where to find it. Um, and so I'll get a lot of indirect referrals. Um, and um, I, I'm, I'm sure there's some, again, that, that probably don't necessarily uh, just agree because it doesn't fit what they've been told, but I've never felt like I was directly threatened. Okay. Dr. Williams, I, I'm interested to figure out because early on in the pandemic, when it started, and I guess that was spring of 2020, there were people in other parts of the country or the world that were saying, Hey, there's some ways we can treat this. They were basing it on how we dealt with, I guess it was MERS, MERS, whichever, whichever one or SARS one. And, what I don't understand, yeah. and maybe you can help me a little bit, is what? how did the medical community in the United States, for the most part, and especially in Alabama, where we're supposed to be one of the greatest places in the world and all this kind of stuff, how did we drop the ball and just go along with the federal government's guidelines, which like kind of like what you said, which is go home, hope for the best, and if it gets really bad, we'll put you in the hospital, and then maybe we'll fire you up with what remdesivir or something that'll mm-hmm. kill off your liver. Um, how did, yep. how did the kidneys, how was there the kidneys? Okay. How was there such a disconnect between what you and others were doing and seeing results from 
And so much of the medical healthcare community who just said, we don't know anything. Just, uh, we don't know. We're just going to repeat what we're told. How, how does that happen? Yeah. I, I really have no idea how that happens. And, and I, I feel like the, the initial failure among the medical community was just not learning about the disease itself. And, and especially, you know, when it came to, you know, I'd see doctors stand behind, you know, different people like mayors that would present these ridiculous, you know, um, proclamations and estimations of, of t- cases and death that just did not fit what we learned about, about COVID early on. And again, you know, the alpha was, was less infectious for sure, but that alpha, you know, you could put it on an air, aircraft carrier or a, or a cruise ship and the majority of people would not get infected. I mean, 80 something percent would never even get affected despite the fact it was on a ship mm-hmm. contained for weeks at a time. And, and then again, this is the alpha. Uh, but, but that was the, what we were dealing with. That's what we knew of at the time. And you could look at the, the death rates among you know, ages and you never got above a 1% death rate till you got to about 70. Right. And um, you know, the majority of the death rates were, were, you know, fractional. I mean, very, very tiny. If you were a mechanic and you went to a mechanic, you said, okay, I've got a car that's got a red light on. I'm having trouble with the engine. And the mechanic told you, hey, um, for this particular problem, we just let you drive and you just hope the engine doesn't seize. But if the engine seizes up, we'll just rebuild it. You know, that's what right. we're going to do. We're not going to fix this problem. You, you would never go back to that mechanic again. And, and I, I don't really understand. I will never understand. I can't answer your question because I don't really know how the medical community thought that was acceptable. For this problem, we just, we just won't treat it at all. We'll just hope for the best, especially when, you know, there were, there were reasonable and certainly very safe treatments being optioned, uh, op- offered. Have you ever treated another disease that way? And has the CDC ever inserted themselves in between the patient and the physician that heavily before? Because to me, this seemed like, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but this seemed like a whole new kind of relationship with the CDC. Mm, no, dictatorship. I, I've, I've never seen, I've never seen this level of, of trying to dictate care. Um, particularly when it comes to, you know, you know, we've used medicines off label for forever. Right. Um, and, and to attack medicines that are significantly safer, not, not safer, significantly safer than Tylenol in both hydroxychloroquine. And then when you come to ivermectin, even safer than that, um, and to attack them and, and subsequently, you know, to see organizations design trials, that seems to be, you know, they're at wrong doses, used at the wrong times. And they're trying to use that as data for why you shouldn't use them. It, It was a very bizarre thing that, um, you know, it, it, we've never seen that in medicine before, at least in my experience. And I guess we may never get the answer. I mean, I was, um, I don't know if we'll ever know I don't think we will. exactly what caused the mass hysteria, frankly. I mean, maybe that's what we give them. And maybe it has to do with insurance and guidelines and everybody actually being afraid of the government in some form or fashion. I, I just, that's going to be a mystery that I'm trying to figure out for years and years and years what exactly happened. Well, but, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure many of your, listeners are, are not going to be tremendously surprised by the idea that it, it appears to be an effort to exert control. Um, and that's not something I've always gone public with. I usually kind of stick with the, the facts that matter in front of me. Um, but, but the reality is that most of the measures were indeed uh, about some level of control um, that we haven't, especially seen in this country before, um, especially from the medical standpoint where we're and, and here we, we haven't had as much, like I said, I personally have never felt threatened, but, um, but certainly what you've seen in hospitals is that certain protocols weren't, weren't even allowed to be tried. So right. um, the fact that they dictated what care could be done uh, and then subsequently comp- compensated doing just that treatment and none of the others um, putting out protection for that treatment and some of none of the others is, is a very, very, very different thing than we've seen in medicine before. 
It really is bizarre. So, so my next question, I know everybody has a bunch of questions, but the next one is, was there any conversation with state leaders, whether it's the governor or the, uh, what's it called? Scott the health, Harris. Scott Harris, mm-hmm. the health, what is his, what was his Alabama title? Alabama Department of Public Health. State Health Officer. State Health Officer. Mm-hmm. Because they seem to give us things that I know from some personal experience from some folks that they knew that masks were basically worthless. They absolutely knew it. And still, to this day, I guess they still pretend like that's what some well, people should be doing. I mean, was there any contact between y'all and the state where they know there's a, an alternative? Well, certainly, you know, there have been efforts on our part to, to reach out. And, and I won't say that we've never gotten any audience whatsoever. But um, but what audience we have had has been usually very brief. Um, and I will ask questions and I never get I never get answers. That, that's really the biggest issue. Uh, when you go to mask in particular, everybody, everybody in medicine knew that masks would not be effective before, you know, 2020 for a respiratory virus like like influenza. Uh, we, we, we definitely looked into it before. There's lots of data. Um, Jim Meehan wrote an extremely comprehensive paper with all kinds of, of you know, you, you couldn't be more referenced. Uh, and that was done early in the pandemic. Um, Anthony Fauci would have told you in February or March there was no point in wearing a mask. And those those tapes have been played many times. Yeah. Um, so said, there's there's just no question that we all knew that. Um, but now, now two years later, you say, OK, well, what if you really did believe that, you know, it was about you know the mask? Well, two years later, you can look and see, did states that have mask mandates have more or less COVID than ones without? Well, they did. They have more. States with mask mandates had more COVID. What about like a school, for instance, that had a mask mandate versus a school that did not? Well, you see more COVID in states with, with mass mandates and with schools with mass mandates. And yet, despite that, the Biden administration right now is trying to put masks back on place, you know, for a plane. So so there it's clearly not about the science that that is that is just that's all there is to it. Two, two years in, you, you could make an argument early on and you could try and understand people's um, thoughts and you could say, OK, you know, there's maybe trying to protect. They just don't understand. But right. but at some point you, you can't ask people to put up a barbed wire fence. Uh, to prevent their kids from getting mosquitoes. It just doesn't work. Mm. Um, and it's it's just as irrational to do it with the mask. But you but you did say, and I, I was a little bit blown away, everybody knew. Oh, yeah. All the all the healthcare people well, knew. I mean, all the scientists yeah. knew. Yeah. All yeah. the reports yeah. knew. I, I've told yeah. the ladies before yeah. about a study that um, was basically <sighs> just kind of whipping ourselves in the West how ashamed we should be for telling any of these third world countries that a cloth mask will stop them from getting a respiratory virus. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things I had read when it, all this started. I'm like, so we're getting on to ourselves for lying to third world countries. Yeah. And now we're lying to our own people mm-hmm. about it working. And then when you say everybody knew, it actually kind of yeah, makes me ill. I mean, I, I mean, I assume there were people that were just truly ignorant one way or another, but, but anyone who had any knowledge of mask and their potential effectiveness in this knew the answer before, before it ever started. Mm-hmm. The experts. "Quote unquote," the experts. Yeah, and anyone that should have known, including, you know, I'm hardly a, you know, I was hardly an infectious disease expert, but, but I've I have treated tons and tons of, you know, infectious disease, and I've, you know, I've been in tens of thousands of flu rooms in my life, and guess what? Not only did I not wear a mask, but none of my colleagues wore a mask, and I never got sick. So, you know, it's not a, it's not a matter of, of, you know, prevention of wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. That they, they clearly are not the role. Um, but when my kids would come home and they'd have, um say something from daycare and I ate after them, I, I got sick. So, you know, I, I knew very quickly, you know, there's things you can do. And I'm not saying you can't inhale a virus. I'm certainly not saying you can't inhale, you know, COVID. 
Um, but, but I do know that that mask won't stop it. Yeah. All right. So here's a question. It's going on in the state right now. And you might have seen the article in 1819 News about the VA laying off between 40 and 50 of their employees because they're refusing to get the vaccine. What are your thoughts on that um, for these people who were frontline and suddenly can just be dismissed? Yeah, um, where with, are we on well, the vaccine? Well, um, it, it, it's, it's kind of like the mask argument I just made a minute ago. We're two years in and we've seen that the places with masks had more COVID than places without masks. Well, you know, we now see that, you know, people with a, va- with a vaccine do not, do not fail to get COVID and they certainly don't fail to produce just as much virus or more than those who are unvaccinated and therefore they can't prevent transmission. So um, at this point, you know, your decision about a, a vaccine should be entirely personal. Uh, it will not prevent contraction. It will not prevent transmission. That is without question thoroughly proven at this point. Uh, I personally uh, have serious doubts about how much it prevents severity of disease just because they've, they've got certain standards. And, and you know, if, if you're instance, if you get a vaccine and you die within two weeks, you're an un- unvaccinated death. Well, that encompasses, you know, whether it didn't protect you or whether you had an adverse reaction to the vaccine, mm-hmm. et cetera. You know, they're putting them in there as an unvaccinated death. So I don't know how to trust those numbers. Um, I know from personal experience that, that uh, people I knew that went to the hospital were, were at a much higher rate, you know, vaccinated compared to what the state was reporting. I mean, they, they were mm-hmm. basically like, if you were unvaccinated, you, that was your only risk to go to the hospital. And, and that simply was not true. And I was treating, you know, I was treating people day in and day out during that, during that, uh, Delta surge. Um, so, you know, I saw vaccinated people go to the hospital as well. So. I really don't know the true answer with the vaccines. And I think that's really what's probably most troubling to those of us who who are trying to treat it is that we don't feel like we can get, get good data um, because it doesn't match up with what we're seeing you know, personally. So I, I don't know the, the, the real answer, but I do know for a fact, uh, since it can't prevent infection or transmission, it, it has no point in public policy to be a requirement or a mandate. And these nurses have served these veterans for two years in the middle of a pandemic with no vaccine. Right. And it hasn't kept them from doing their job. And now all of a sudden they're not, it's not okay. And I was reading in that article that they're already, they've already had to close one ICU unit. They're down 37% on nurses as it is. Birmingham's the only place that does surgeries for veterans in Alabama. What, what are they doing? I mean, it, Dr. Williams, I keep thinking about control. It almost, it seems punitive. And it, it really does seem punitive. Yeah. It's really sad because it's our veterans and these nurses who have worked so hard. And I'm sure there's some doctors in there as well that are going to suffer. And I know we've reached out to a few, um, Gary Palmer's office, Tommy Tuberville's office, and they are just silent on this issue. And, and it's wrong. So much of what we've seen through this COVID pandemic is just un-American, so wrong. And I'm not really sure how we fight it, except just bringing awareness to it and having the factual discussions about this vaccine. Not only does it not stop contraction or transmission, what are the side effects that you're seeing from, because it's been long enough now, I feel like you can really start seeing a pattern of side effects from the vaccine. So what are you seeing in your practice? Well, the, the pattern of, of you know, side effects was seen early on. Uh, Pfizer's documents, which they did not want to release for, I think it was 75 years, um, are being released. Yeah. And when the first batch came out, you had nine pages of side effects. There's lots of side effects that have been listed, primarily you know, um, cardiac. We see tons of you know, cardiac side effects, hypertension, 
uh, arrhythmias, tachycardia, of course, you know, myocardial infarction, myocarditis, which which they've they've had to recognize at this point. You see a lot of syncope. Um, there are literally dozens and dozens of videos of people on air that have been vaccinated who've just fainted. Uh, one of the most famous is Heather McDonald, the you know the uh, comedian who just collapsed on stage. So you see a lot of that. Um, you see a lot of neurologic uh, seizures. Um, different Eric Clapton, for instance, had a lot of trouble with his hands afterwards. So a lot of neurologic uh, issues as well. So it's it's kind of you know like I said, there's nine pages of, of side effects if you if you just look at Pfizer's. And of course, one of the things that I think is strange is that we have a system where everybody can report their side effects. And it's called the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. Uh, it's been the same set of rules forever. There's the Vaccine Adverse Effects Reporting System. Mm -hmm. And I will post that in show notes. But it is, they're saying that it is underreported the side effects that people have had or the deaths um, by 10 times. Right. That only about 10% of what happens actually gets reported. That's right. And so what he's saying, and I agree with, is that they're getting to a point where they can't ignore the myocarditis in the teenage boys, or they can't ignore the comedians who are literally like Heather McDonald, shaking their fist at God and laughing and then passing out on the stage. Um, So I think some good will come out of that. But I think it's terrifying to me because back to our elected officials, what is the most benign reason they have for pretending that we haven't reached out for their help? Like, what's the most benign uh, reason? And th- this is what I want to know from those guys. They're too busy. <laughs> Could be. I mean, you know, that like they haven't bothered to really look into it because everything that we're saying is all has been conspiracy, conspiracy theory yeah. for mm. for two years and can't be true. We all have our tin hats on, so we need to avoid those people. But, but they could at least talk to Dr. Williams and or other concerned doctors. That's right. And I don't, I don't, I don't really don't know. I'm yeah. at a loss. But if you look across the board, elected officials act like whatever the government said is absolutely right. And there are people that are we thought we sent to Washington that were like one of us, and they've gone there, and here we need them desperately to speak up and to challenge the dominant paradigm, and they won't do it. And so you really do have to say, what in the world is going on? Like, it's not enough for you to say, we're going to trust the experts because they failed. They lied and they failed. And we've got the receipts for their lies. So why in the world will you not respond and help us fight back? Uh, And these are simple things. I mean, even down to if if you took out the whole COVID thing, a a nurse or a doctor losing their job at the VA, that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. You would think an elected official could say, I'm going to stand for these people's jobs. Well, there's so many great conservative talking points in that story that you would think our elected officials would want to be champions of, like serving the veterans, like preserving the workforce and keeping jobs, like freedom of choice, freedom of your body. How hard is it to write a speech that says, I am not going to allow a veteran to die because y'all have these made up rules that make no sense and won't let us have yeah. nurses and doctors. Well, that and then, would be that is that is home run right. ball kind of stuff. You bring religion into it because their religious um, exemptions are being denied. Mm-hmm. You know, protecting freedom of religion, but silence. And it's weird. It's weird. And I and it, maybe they're like, well, it's just forty four nurses. Yeah, those are forty four families. How many of them are right. head of homes? Right. How many of them are busting it and took care of our our best? Right. 
Um, you're right. It's un, it's unthinkable that they wouldn't at least take some time to say, you know what, we are, we're going to, we're going to intervene here right. because it is completely made up and is going to put some of these women at more risk because maybe they're of childbearing years mm. and maybe we don't know what's happening when oh, well. women take the vaccine or well, we do know because we saw in a very small right. portion of the population, like they tried to foist it on Emmy and she was like, um, no, I am not taking this vaccine yeah. while I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, so girls that I know who are in the healthcare community do not want to take it. And we're thankful that their exemptions were approved. How pathetic that they had to get one in the first oh, that place. They had to ask for one. That they had right. to ask for one like a beggar. Um, but they were afraid because they wanted to have children yeah. and they were, because we don't know what the fertility side effects are going to be with this. We do now and they're, they're not good, but we want to also cover that up. Give me a, a high profile or fairly high profile person, or maybe just a plain old run of the mill doctor. Okay. Okay. In, in Alabama or, or nationally who has said, you know what? I went with the narrative and that was a mistake. Mm. I haven't seen that person yet. Maybe maybe they're out there, but I just have not seen the healthcare professional, the doctor, the the state health officer who says, you know what, I got wrapped up in it. I was doing what everybody else was doing, and you know what, it was that was wrong. It was you know we're doing that to the police officers for right. everything. Right. Where has anybody seen a doctor no, say that? They're all doubling down unless Dr. Williams knows an anomaly. Yeah, no, there, there are some individual doctors who've come to, you know, the conclusion that what they've heard is, is, is wrong. And I, I know some who've, who've spoken out, you know, not necessarily very publicly, but have said things to me about, hey, look, you know, especially about the vaccine, you were right all along. Um, the public officials, though, have never backed down, and I, I don't think they're going to. Um, you know, one of the things that, that you saw with COVID is when they when they put out the whole narrative, there was a whole lot of money attached to it, uh, a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. attached right. to it, And that money went to hospitals and it went to uh, health departments and it went to, you know, public health, you know, departments of public health and and it went to schools. And um, and it often came with an attachment that, that they would follow the guidelines of you know, the people ahead of them. So um, I, I don't you know, I, I don't know for sure that that was the uh, but I got the feeling that I was talking to deaf ears on many occasions and, and sometimes they would give me just a little bit of hint. You need to go convince these people uh, because you don't convince them, you know, I'm going to do whatever they tell me to. And, and, and when I look into it, you know, it often had to do with where the funding came from. And I don't think some of those people would have given me a hint if they hadn't really you know, necessarily wanted to do something different, but they still weren't willing to do something different. Right. And that's, that's the truth. So hmm. where, you know, It's my understanding, I was listening to a little bit about the WHO and what's going on there, but back to kids and the vaccine, it's my understanding that the emergency use authorization has been extended, that the pandemic was extended for another 90 days, um, and that now children are approved to be vaxxed. And I'm wondering what in the world is going on in our state that we're pushing that on kids and our state health officer still hasn't suggested yeah. that there's anything other than, oh, take the vax, you'll be fine, especially yeah. for these young children. Well, you used a very important set of words in there. And when I overheard, you know, I was able to hear, but I I, I didn't speak through it. Uh, but you were talking about the nurses who've, who've lost their jobs. The, the key word there is emergency youth authorization. So, you know, we talked about things that were very different this time around. Well, there's never been a time in, in American history, and I, I frankly still don't think it has any legal basis. I still think there's there, this is completely morally wrong. 
But the idea that you can require somebody to do something that is emergency use authorization, these nurses are losing their job over something that is completely, utterly unproven and recognized mm -hmm. as unproven. That's the definition of emergency use authorization. And, and frankly, what, what's really, um, you know, even as somebody who's not necessarily a fan of the vaccine, uh, I'm very careful with how I give guidance toward the vaccine because by, by definition, if it's an emergency use authorization, as a doctor, you can only legally tell people the positives and the negatives, the, the possible benefits and the possible, you know, um, adverse reactions that we know of, and then let the patient make the decision. It's essentially like entering a medical experiment. So I can't tell you to do it or not do it. I can only tell you what, you know, what your possible benefits are, what your possible risks are, as best I know them, and then give that information to you. Well, they're not only not just not just doing that, but they're requiring it, which which makes it extremely strange. And then then you want to extend that to children, which we've already discussed. We're not at significant risk from this disease. And we now know it can't keep them from bringing it home to their grandparents. So so there's no possible reason I can think of to, to put these kids at risk for gene therapy that, that we know is gene therapy. You can hear the, the CEOs of Moderna and Pfizer tell you it's gene therapy. Why would we put our kids into gene therapy? Um, for a disease is not not a particularly big threat to them. So concerned doctors reached out to Dr. Scott Harris and um, maybe requested a meeting with him to halt this authorization or to to reverse the recommendation. And maybe did you all get in touch with Governor Ivey's office as well? I, I can't remember. I think that was in the works. Has there been any movement on that? Well, I haven't heard of any you know, response. We have reached out to Ivy's office in the past, just with the concerns about the vaccine, especially for children. Uh, and of course, you know, with this m recent extension, which, you know, extension has been the, you know, this started with what, two weeks to stop the spread in, right. you know, 2020. And now we're, you know, we're still extending things now. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's still here. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, COVID doesn't exist. We all know it exists. And those of us in this group have treated it as much or more than anybody. So it's not like we, we ignore it. Um, we just can't understand some of the policies that don't make sense that keep getting extended. Uh, and in this case, I just, I don't understand. Uh, you mentioned what could be done. I think people have to get very vocal that they're willing to protect their children. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's just, you know, I, I don't think anything can be done other than an understanding among a large enough group of people about how this is really going down and what needs to be done to protect our children. Are there particular side effects with the vaccine and children? I mean, I know it hasn't been around that long, but there are enough kids that have taken it that you're seeing or that you've heard about. I know in young men it's myocarditis, but is there, you know, something more, which is terrible, but are there other yep. things in addition to that? Well, I, I, there are other things in addition to that. And um, I think pretty much everything that an adult is vulnerable to, that the child is vulnerable to. But I do think um, from my, my personal experience, um, myocarditis is the one that scared me the most. Uh, we do have, we do have at least one child in Tuscaloosa that's been hospitalized, um, for several days with myocarditis and, and what people don't, I don't think people really understand, you know, they, they use the term, you know, mild myocarditis, but there's really no mild loss of heart muscle. I mean, mm -hmm. loss of heart muscle by definition is not, it's not mild. So if your troponin goes up, you've had cardiac death of some, of some cells and, and that, you know, that has a, a long-term impact. But there are only 1,131 children that received the vaccine in the Pfizer trial, one of which was paralyzed. Her name is Maddie DeGarry. Um, shortly after Pfizer came out, a 15-year-old by the name of Ernest Ramirez uh, took it and died five days later on a, on a, on a basketball court. And, of course, his uh, autopsy showed cardiac issues. So uh, it doesn't take very many children for me to, to get very concerned. 
because again, I, I, I don't see very many children that get very sick with COVID. So I don't know who I'm protecting um, with that vaccine. I'm, I'm not saying they can't get sick. And I've heard of some of the, you know, kind of the Kawasaki disease type, you know, weird uh, autoimmune reactions. But unfortunately, you can get that same autoimmune reaction from the vaccine itself. My son had um, multi-inflammatory syndrome yeah. and spent yeah, a week your, and a half in the um, hospital. But yeah, that, that's probably your scariest one for from COVID itself is that <laughs> that MIS. Um, and it looks a lot to me like a severe version of Kawasaki's. Um, and um, I, I don't I don't like that very much, but it does exist for sure. Well, it was bizarre. He was so, so yep. sick, but they gave him yep. the... Um, Infusion. What is it? The infusion, and mm-hmm. within yep. 36 hours, he was a new child eating a cheeseburger, and like we left the hospital, and that was it. That is not everybody's experience, but they know how right. to treat it now. Um, he did have to have his appendix removed, which was weird, but they yeah. they um, attributed that to the inflammation from it. But I would say um, overall, now that they know what they're looking at, it was very easily treated. So COVID is making a comeback. I know several people that have it now. What's yep. different about this strain? Have you started seeing it? And then what's different in the treatment? Or how are you treating patients now versus maybe in the beginning? Well, um, by the time we got to the Delta, um, <laughs> we ended up having to be more aggressive in, in in my experience. And I think everybody else is with kind of the dosing and the frequency of the ivermectin. I was still doing 48-hour dosing up until the, the Delta. And then I kind of learned that as, as people were getting sicker quicker, I had to go up on that dosing there. So I think we're I think we're seeing primarily a version of the Omicron go around now. I have not personally seen a lot of respiratory cases among the people I'm treating. Um, I've treated three today and they were primarily sore throat, uh, headache, mild fatigue at, at the moment. So, you know, that that's you know, that sore throat is, and headache has been kind of the it can be any of them. But but the Omicron is, is certainly what I see, see it the most, especially the sore throat. Um, so we're hoping um, that that'll be the be the case. But um, I've gotten to where I, you know I've got a five day course of ivermectin, of course vitamin C, vitamin D, you know zinc, azithromycin, um, you know all the supplements, rinse your nose, gargle. You know by this time, you know there's there's a pretty good regimen uh, Are we in place. Still aspirin is that still for blood clots, D dimer? Yeah, yeah, still aspirin, full strength aspirin, not okay. not baby aspirin, um, especially for you know, those at risk, um, you know, you'd, you'd be more the elderly in particular. Um, so tell me, sure. so tell me about vitamin D. I mean, I've heard a lot about it, read a lot about it. We even took some vitamin D supplements. I've, I've heard that yeah. most Americans are lacking in vitamin D anyway. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, so what, what's the story on that? I mean, that seems pretty easy to get and mm-hmm. seems yeah. to be a big player in this. Yeah. I always tell patients that uh, vitamin D is free. So, you know, go outside and get it. But you do have to have some some um, some sun without sunscreen, which is which is kind of the key. Um, so many of us spend so much time indoors, and you just don't make it with fluorescent lights. But if you go outside without sunscreen, arms, legs, um, shoulders for 15, 20 minutes a day, three times a week, you should generate at least a minimal, adequate level of vitamin D. Uh, but we we knew early on that um, vitamin D levels were very closely correlated with how people did like it was just you know the early especially the alpha you almost had to have a a very large bmi or a very low vitamin d level to struggle with with the alpha in terms of like hospitalization um and we just know how important that was but i think we've we've kind of demonized the sun to a certain extent 
Um, I do think we've done some things that, that make the sun potentially more, we've done some things to the environment, so to speak, that, that have, have made the, the, our, our skin more sensitive to the sun. Uh, but I think a little bit of exposure just over time and get outside. And when you do it, if you can, like at the beach, take your shoes off, walk in the sand, you'll, you'll combine grounding with, with your exposure to, to the sun. And, and, um, there's some benefits to both of those. Grounding. Yep. Well, like, I'm just, like I'm just mad touching that... the ground. Yep. Yep. It's called grounding. Um, okay. Yeah. So we don't do we, that much cause we always have shoes, shoes on. We don't, yeah, we don't do that very much. That's right. Yeah. It's, um, hmm. if you look into kind of our history and, and, um, we, we, we've spent a lot more time in touch with, with nature than we do now. I um, like that. and there are some benefits to that. So you, you're saying if Southerners really didn't wear shoes, we'd be better off. Yeah. Well, at least for, you know, a little bit every day. So. When you go so. garden, take your shoes off. Yeah. Walk if, in the dirt. Okay. If you get, out, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll if you get to the grass or, you know, if you think about, you know, there's, there's plenty of open spaces. With here no at, shirt. Uh, you know, the University of Alabama, no we got, shirt. we got the quad. Right. And you can go put, you know, just, just walk in this grass a little bit. And, and, um, you oh. know, if you, if you think about how electrical, you know, human beings are, I mean, our, our heart runs on electrical and, um, it's one of those crazy things that we, we don't use it much in medicine, um, until, you know, it's the very, very end. You're like, okay, I've done everything else. What are we gonna do? We're gonna shock them, right? You know, that's the last thing, like last ditch, we got to try it. Uh, but, but we, we are very electrical beings. And, um, and so, you know, to kind of get that balanced out and to discharge the right types of electrons, that sort of thing. I don't, I don't understand wow. it fully, but, but it all makes sense. That's so cool. I'm going to have to do some research on that. The, the geek yep. in me is really right. intrigued. Oh, <laughs> well, between the grounding and the fact that all the doctors, not all, Told us to put sunscreen on it every single moment. Yeah, for this our whole is, lives. Clearly, and, I and forgot we, to this weekend. This is breaking so. news. <laughs> then we end up with not having enough vitamin D. That's fascinating. So, what well, we, you know, if you, if you ask a doctor in 1950s if, if we'd have a vitamin D you know deficiency you know, epidemic across the country, they'd have been like, "What are you talking about?" You know, back then mm -hmm. everybody was outside. They were gardening. They were fishing. They were hunting. They were playing sports. You know. Um, they don't do that anymore. I mean, kids don't, you know, gather in a, a neighborhood and play baseball. They, they, you know, talk to each other over their kind of like we're doing, uh, with an Xbox. Um, and it's just a very different world. And, um, and unfortunately, yeah, the vitamin D, uh, pandemic vitamin D deficiency epidemic has come right along with it. It's fascinating. So what are your key takeaways as we move forward? Well, um, in terms of, like, what do we do about COVID? Yeah, or what would what we, we do, do about... like two twofold? So what would we do about COVID? And then would you mind re-reminding because you rattled off really great supplements and things that we could do and have in our home to take care of ourselves? So kind of twofold okay. um, takeaways. Well, uh, I think what you want to do more than anything else is you want to keep yourself healthy. Um, the reality is that unfortunately... Um, society doesn't do a very good job of keeping it, each other healthy anymore. That's just, that's just the way it is. So, um, I, I just, I don't, I don't know how else to say it, but I've seen it with, you know, either the with withholding of adequate treatments or the administering of treatments. You know, you re mentioned remdesivir earlier that, that just, just weren't useful and went on for, for quite some time, um, and had very little, you know, very little study, you know, prior to that. So, you know, I, I don't really understand kind of where we got to that point, but I do know that people learned that they're going to have to start taking care of themselves. So that starts primarily with what you put in your body. 
Um, and I'm certainly not, not perfect when it comes to that, but I, I know what, what perfect looks like. And, uh, you want to eat the rainbow and you want to eat lots of things that are, that are organic Skittles. and plant-based. I knew it. I knew it the not whole Skittles. time. <laughs> not Skittles. I knew they were good I was thinking you. Lucky Charms, <laughs> but okay. Yeah. Same thing. You, you, you want, you want different colored fruits and vegetables and especially, oh, especially Dang vegetables. It. Uh, and, and you want to eat lots of them. Um, and then, you know, because it's hard to, to always get adequate nutrition, um, I think a good multivitamin is not a bad idea for anybody. Uh, the B vitamins in particular drive your metabolism. You key out any extra, they're not going to hurt you. Uh, vitamin C, you can push, you know, to, to good good numbers and, and help prevent colds and treat them. And, and any respiratory things will, will, will respond somewhat to vitamin C. Uh, we've already talked about vitamin D, uh, zinc, quercetin, uh, which helps kind of get zinc into the cells. This is zinc ionophore. Um, um, those are good supplements. Uh, and then... I think now that we know more about kind of keeping our, our nasal passages clean, uh, the povidine iodine dilute rinses, which you can find Dr. McCullough's recommendations. Um, many people do those just every day. Um, I tend to wait until I'm sick. I just don't, I don't enjoy that process as much as some people do. Um, <laughs> but they work really well for allergies as well. If you have that. And so then is this the, simple, the, na the na nasal thing? Like a, yeah, like like a spray nasal or a real flush? The you want to flush it pretty good. Yeah, you really? want to flush it pretty good. Yeah, okay. yeah, you want to you want to rinse that out. But you can wash you know tons of things out. And you know even when you well when you think about it, just like in in surgery, for instance, we know when we have a gut surgery, for instance, we're not going to you know eliminate every bacteria in a person's bowel. So if you're doing okay. a bowel surgery, what do we do? We rinse it with saline, not to eliminate every bacteria, but every time we rinse it, we wash some away. And if we drive that number down. To the point where the the patient's immune system can take care of the rest they're going to be fine so the same principle with it with a nasal rinse if we can reduce the amount of viral load then your, your immune system has a better chance of dealing what's what's left over so what would you recommend with that because it seems nasty but I've, I've heard all the advertisements for different products once a week kind of thing as a preventative because i don't, I don't as a, well it just depends if you've been exposed you need to as a preventative you need to still do it right. about twice a day um, you know, treatments were more like, you know, four day, right. you know, so now I just told you, I said, I, I don't, I don't personally do that twice right. day anyway, right. but, 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 but you could. And, um, I mean, if you have allergies, I, I certainly have patients that, that, that rinse not only every day, but really, you know, they really not only benefit from it, but they, they feel so much better that they're, they're advocates. So it's um, kind of interesting. It, like you can watch and yeah. see what comes out. Oh my it's word! Like, it's like a treasure True. hunt every oh, day. Bless, it's so fun. That is more yeah. information than I think yeah. I wanted to. No, it though. is. It's really mm. fun. So, yeah, like I said, I'm not that enthusiastic about it personally, but but, but, uh, but you provided the info, and that's right. helpful. Yeah, right. But that's true. Yeah. That's okay. Fun. All right. So I don't have many uh, chances to ask the experts, but so taking all these different um, supplements: C, D, Zinc, Quercetin, etc. No yep. problem, no risk of taking too much. You take them every day, one every day, one pill every day. That kind of um, thing is okay. Because yeah, sometimes I mean, they think, say you take and your body starts to stop making what it's supposed yeah. to. So is the FLCCCCC protocol still the one to go? Or Dr. McCullough, he probably has one too. Yeah, I, I've you know I've kind of used a hybrid, you know, as we went over over time, but most of them eventually kind of lined up. Uh, but the FLCCC, I think, is. I think there nobody would be like, oh, that that's not where you want to go. I think that's a very good, um, a good source, um, and that that'll be that'll be a great place to start. I, I would 
caution. I, I don't know if I've seen any studies about using quercetin like daily for, for years. So right. probably every couple of months I would give that a break and zinc theoretically could, could be, you know, too high. What you want to get is about 50 milligrams of elemental zinc every day. I think at that dose, you'll be okay. But, um, um, but none of these are known with, especially known to be toxic. Very good. That's good to know. I yeah. also, just in case y'all need it, I have lots of tubes of horse paste. <laughs> I do. I have like twelve. We're going left. to Allison's house. I mean, if it comes, if it's between dying or trying horse paste, I'm, I'm trying horse eating I, some I'm horse paste. Horse paste in it. I have I'm no problem ashamed. with that. I am convinced myself though that quercetin makes me feel weird because I have okay. I have the supplement, and sometimes I'm like, mm, there's something that's just just for a little while, and I think it's the quercetin. It might be you. Maybe just it could be me, Doctor Williams. <laughs> it's a weird quercetin. A weird make word. you feel weird? Yeah, it's just yeah, me. I, I, <laughs> I was trying not to discount anything a patient tells me. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I just say, you know, that's not my experience with it, but, right. but everybody's a little bit different. So. It could be all the things at once. So if you take all the pills at one time, it probably it causes your stomach thing. to go, eh, this yeah. is not the best. And then you end up in Chris's so office and he'll be like, is. what's going on? Yeah. Right. It's right. fine. It's fine. Well, thank you. I feel like I've learned and been reminded of where we are. Anybody have any, any final takeaways, final thoughts, you guys? No, I just, um, I hope that this is informative. I think COVID's kind of gotten to the back of everybody's minds. The masks have gone away. You're not getting tackled at the stores anymore for not following protocols, but there are still people's lives that are affected like these nurses, mm -hmm. like our children going back to school. And I think <coughs> we need to stay on top of it. And Dr. Williams, I will follow along with concerned doctors and see if you get a response from Dr. Harris and kind of what happens there. Um, and I'm hoping maybe Congressman Palmer and Senator Tuberville listen to this podcast and and maybe say something about maybe the, the, move the on workers it. I don't at know. the VA. Yeah, it's just sad well, that with all that we know and all that Dr. Williams told us that we're still in this. But. Well, when, when we started this podcast, I said, you know, I, I started reaching out to senators initially about their response to COVID. And, and you're talking two years plus later, the response to COVID is costing these nurses their job. Not not the reality, not the science, not the fact they're putting any patients at risk, but the response to COVID. Right. The response to COVID is putting children at potential risk for, for a vaccine, um, you know, that they may not need. And, and that should just be you know, and I'm not saying that the parents and the and the child don't necessarily have that. You know, they shouldn't have that discussion, but but it should be something that is done with with forthrightness. And when I ask many doctors who recommend the vaccine, you know, why doesn't Maddie DeGary matter, and why doesn't Ernest Ramirez, you know, mm -hmm. Jr. matter? They they look at me with this blank face. They they don't know who these people are, and so mm -hmm. I don't understand how this far into it um, that there's been a you know a a, a suppression of certain information um and, and again we're, we're circling all the way back around we're, we're still dealing with policies that are affecting people's lives or potentially affecting people's lives um as opposed to the disease itself um in addition in addition to the disease itself and the disease itself is affecting people and the policies are hurting them on top of that it's hard not to think that they just want us in the dark it's you just, know it's, it's frustrating and at some point you just have to call it like it is mm -hmm. and there's something going on that, like you said, the control, the the mind, it's almost like everybody's brainwashed. It's bizarre. It I've never very... seen it. But thank you for speaking truth and for being willing to come on and all you've done um, over the past months, years now. That's insane. 
Yeah. We've been dealing with this for yeah. years. That's crazy. Thanks, Dr. Williams. We appreciate you. Thank, Thank you very you so much. much. In, Thank in, you. Any last Get words? Get back to lady? the beach. Well, I'm sorry about the uh, audio difficulties, but I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you very much. No, thank yeah. you awesome. so thank much. Thank you for what you do. Sitting in your car for an hour. So mm-hmm. yeah. no that's problem. taking one for the team. <laughs> he is. All right. On vacation. Okay. Thank, thank you, you, sir. Thank you. Any last words? I think we have to. I think the COVID discussion is always a reminder that we must fight for our freedom and that, like you said, there are people who are still trying to keep their job or yeah. going to be fired. Like they said, they were right. already interviewing right. for other positions or these young children, like that you would be complicit in understanding that this could harm your child, that they face a what? 0.02% so risk. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not at risk. And the ones who did die had underlying health conditions. Right. If you look into right. the numbers so the idea that our state health officer is advocating for this is unbelievable yeah, to me. It's, it's and astounding. I would like for him to know that as a podcast, we will continue reporting on this. And as a news site, we'll continue reporting on this until we get some answers, until the doctors have a meeting and until this is resolved at, at the VA. Yeah. This is unacceptable is. in this day and age completely. and with the information. Because are you, are you ignorant of this or are you um, hurting people? Um, like what, what's really going right, on here? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of choices. You're either completely ignorant or you're hurting people now on purpose. Right. That you know the truth or they know the truth and they don't care. And there, it's like you said, kind of a control thing or seeing who, who will submit. Right. That's Since right. you're not submissive, you will lose your job. That is very punitive. It's, it's frightening it's, really. Yeah. It's, and you look, I mean, the extreme and Dr. Williams kind of touched on it. We didn't have it as bad in America, but you look at Australia Mm. them being locked up and they have no guns. Right. And and if you start putting pieces together, it gets kind of freaky. No, it, it really does. It doesn't take long to s- slide off right. in that slope. But, but what else is there? There can't be any other reasons other than control and manipulation and power. And, and we're just all yeah. livestock to be managed in some way and don't speak out or we'll tell everybody you're crazy or you're, you're not telling the truth. And now we know mm. two years in that, all these people were telling the truth. All these doctors were telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's all out there now. And people still don't know it. Okay, that's the scary part. Why is that? Why people don't know it or why the, why? the professionals won't admit it or Both. Agree? Like, I mean, I'm thinking of just the normal people. Like, why do they not? It's all out there. And it's proven. They're still driving around with their mask on in their car? Yeah. I mean, you why? still see it. I, I, that's a great question. I mean, I think part of it is just this willful ignorance, like just let me live my life and leave yeah. me alone. Mm-hmm. But then when you see people walking around outside with double mask on, like right. when I went to visit Who? Wesley, you're like, what? Are, do right. you not read? Right. Like, do you not know? Like, have and, you not and they're, seen? And they're running the risk. What's that newest study? They're running the risk of actually giving themselves what yes. they think they're avoiding right. by breathing the, the virus into their to, lungs. To their lungs. Which yes. only makes rational sense like you're shoving it all right here in your face of course you're breathe gonna it out, suck get it down another load make a little more yeah. breathe it out and get another load i mean i mean so the only people who benefit are the government the government and and they awfully or they own what nih and moderna mm-hmm. own a vaccine i mean so it is to their benefit that we stay sick and this is in like right. perpetuity so wake up well, now you're getting to Literally the, to the whole idea of we've got too many people, population, you do. Know, population control, and it mm-hmm. seems crazy. 
but it's right there on the edge, no, is it not? We're we're there, and I read an article about um, lab produced meat. You know that is like that. like really coming that out. Really good. Yeah. Will it be medium, medium rare. It, whatever the wording was, so it'll awful, be delicious. It was like <laughs> and you genetic, will like it. <laughs> real lab grown hot dog. It was just weird. No, it was like no hot dogs are gonna be the no. I have it's to disgusting. Find it. I saw it's that like, article, and you read it, and you think, who thinks that this is a good idea? And oh, by the way. Did, well, I'm not even going to say that's the chicken that, that processing plant. I mean, that it's went all, up in flames. It went up in flame, right. and we're up to 18 or 19. Right. It's all it's all I mean, coincidental. It's Coinc- coin- different food, food meat processing plants that have uh, that have exploded. Right. But you want to look it up? Chickens. We're not right. out of our mind. You Is that can another go look show? It up. That's another. It's show another right show. Now. We'll talk about it on another show because when I was reading about COVID, you see this intermingling with the WHO, mm-hmm. um, and and you think, okay. All right, it's back to the Great Reset program. Yeah, and the World Economic Forum. Like ignore you because you are crazy. You are crazy. You know, it's fine. You're the one that brought the book. (laughs) (laughs) You had the crazy book. Oh my goodness gracious! Think what you will. Just we ask, do your homework. Just think. That's all. And when you said think what you will, just think. Just think. That's all we're asking people to do. Just Just think. think. Just go. "Hmm, That doesn't seem right. That's what when I pass somebody on the. On, on the porch, on the sidewalk, and they've got masks on. That's all I hope is that they actually, I'm great if you choose to wear a mask. You are not. You're fibbing because you're like, you are crazy. What do you think? That's what you said that. first. No, that, I do think that. Right. Okay, I think that first. And then I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I just hope you're wearing that mask because you thought about it and right. you made that decision for you. Then I respect that. But if you're wearing that mask because Dr. Fauci, you know, like. Said I, you should. Then I judge them. Okay. But. I just I judge want people first, to think. And I judge them after yeah, at yeah. this point. And, I, and, 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 and at worst, I say you should at least listen to Alabama Unfiltered Podcast, and you wouldn't have that Do on. Do you tell them that? No. Oh. We should have That'd a T-shirt. That'd be great marketing. Says, like, hey. Right. Hey, I, I have this, like, podcast that you should listen to, and there's and three. And you wouldn't look so stupid. <laughs> and you, right. And also. That's what you say. You, I mean, we should. We have, like, a, we need a T-shirt. Like, listen to us. I'm for that. You know, I don't know. We got to like. <laughs> that scares me. <laughs> listen to us. Listen to us, yeah. but then go do your own research, you know? Right. Yeah. We might, whatever. Listen to us. We might be right. Yeah, that's right. That's it. <laughs> this sounds like a friend slogan. Maybe. 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 I don't know. I don't know. But just think. See. Listen, do your research, yeah. do your homework. Because I'm like you. When I see people with their mask on, I'm like, for the love of all that's it good says, and holy. It says to the stop. Rams. Listen Rams. to us. <laughs> we might be right. <laughs> Brian, Eric, can you give us a t-shirt, please? That is awesome. Please. David Williams. Dr. David Williams from Tuscaloosa. Concerned Doctors of Alabama. Has been our guest today. You've been watching Alabama Unfiltered. We hope you will uh, continue to tell other people about the program. Make sure you give us a thumbs up or five stars at all the different places that you you, uh, listen to this program or watch it. And don't forget to sign up over at 1819 News for the daily... Detail. Detail which will give you all the news you need to hear about here in the state of Alabama every morning right in your inbox. Thank you, ladies. See y'all.